folks, this is Always Be Watching. It's our weekly discussion about what the heck we've been watching on our various screens. My name's Dan Barras, and I'm joined this week by a very special guest, Mr. Simon Band. Hello, Mr. Barrett. Like, we used to host the podcast together. We did for a, for a number of years. Yeah, a number of years. It was like 35 years, Simon. It was. It was uh, 20 years ago for 35 years. <laughs> um, uh, we were the first podcasters. Uh, we used to send them out on 8-tracks. Uh, but yes, it was, um, it was yeah. quite the experience. Yeah, it was less podcasting, more tape trading. Yes, yeah. um, and people didn't even want to like and subscribe, we just sent it to them. <laughs> no, exactly. I think it was harassment is what we were doing. I think it was mail fraud, I think it was <laughs> yeah, abuse by a carriage service. Yeah, I regret nothing. But for people interested in the Always Be Watching podcast, uh, my regular co-host Chris Yates, who unfortunately could not make the trip with me to Brisbane, which is where I'm loitering around this week, uh, the two of us, we started this podcast called Televised Revolution, but Chris being the flighty sort that he is, uh, after like five, six weeks, actually it was nine episodes, Chris wasn't able to do it anymore, and so I was scratching around, I found this lout who wandered into my life, and Simon Vance has been part of my life ever since then. It is quite the story, actually. <laughs> um, oh, such a story. Like, yeah. people will be talking about this for ages. Well, you're sitting there, and you, 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 you turn the podcast into a radio show. Yeah. And you were doing the radio show with, I believe, uh, Dennis and your now lady wife was in the studio, I want to say? No, that's incorrect entirely on both fronts. I remember it differently. <laughs> I can actually tell you who was in a studio at the time, but I'm not going to. Because I will never remember. That's all right, and that's it. And I believe I had the show after, because I was into more highfalutin things like the cinema, and I corrected you on something while you were doing your own show. And then we've done a show since. Yeah, that's how the magic happens. But Simon Band, we do things differently on this show. On the old podcast, we talked about the TV industry. We talked about, you know, broadcast TV. We talked about why there were business things happening in the background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was us making things up. We had no real idea. No, and there, there was a couple of years where we just read the TV ratings. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I've since worked in the TV industry and actually know some stuff. I don't want to talk about that business anymore. I just want to talk about what the heck we've been watching. So I've employed you to sit with me inside this fine studio we've assembled, and we're going to discuss the things that we've been watching recently. It's Christmas, there's no real TV on, so whatever we're going to discuss is weird hodgepodge things that we've picked up in between drinking and making excuses not to talk to family. Yes. Oh, and TV's normally good for that. But oh, um... I mean, I use it for that 11 and a half months of the year. <laughs> but yeah, it's a special time, because, you know, there's just less to watch. Yeah, but, you know, there's streaming services, there's various uh, things, uh, but because everybody's together, nobody can agree on what they want to watch. Now, Simon, my parents, they raised me right, and so out of that sort of proper upbringing, I will throw to you first and ask you, Simon Band, what have you been watching? I think we've got a few things that we've watched the same uh, together, uh, because I'm... uh, uh, flown here, not grown here. Mm. Um, I'm still somewhat of a Anglo-centric TV viewer. Yes, sir. Uh, so English TV, there's a lot of Christmas specials for everything. You've got your Call the Midwife Christmas special. <laughs> uh, you've got your 8 out of 10 cats does countdown Christmas special, which is countdown and 8 out of 10 cats combined into a comedy puzzle show where they don't really do comedy or puzzles. No. Uh, so the Christmas special of that, uh, Big Fat Quiz of the Year 2019 as well. There's a lot of Jimmy Carr in this uh, viewing mix. Yeah, I find a lot of Jimmy Carr generally through my TV viewing, but Carr particularly pops up at Christmas. Big Fat Quiz of the Year, 
I usually watch that because it's usually guaranteed to be the funniest thing you'll see all year. Yes. I have to say, I watched the, maybe the first hour of it this year. I got a bit bored by it. There was something missing. I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. Hmm. I don't know. Did you feel the same way? Like, maybe it was me. I possibly just a bit sleepy. Well, the, I think this was a year that they've done with the big fat quizzes previously. Mm. As they've kind of... And they've been going for a while. We've been yeah. watching them for a while. We've discussed them for a while. Uh, and we should say, in Australia, we never really got them on TV previously. This has always been something that people have sneakily uploaded to YouTube. Yes. But this year, for the first time, SBS, they yeah, put it SBS, up. Uh, yeah, SBS had it. So I watched it on the, the on-demand. So, you know, a little bit of ad revenue for you, public broadcaster, mm. um, is often there'd be like a generational difference kind of thing, a kind of talking about your generation style, where there'd be um, old mate Jonathan Ross as the kind of elder comedian with a speech impediment with one of his old mates, and then there'd be some some young bucks, and then you'd also have Richard Iowadi and um, old mate with the beak. Ah, uh, you're talking about... Uh, the guy from Mighty Boosh. Yeah, from the baking show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, name, out of mind. Noel. Fielding? Yeah, there we go. We yeah. got there. The magic, the sparkle, the years of live radio coming uh, back. It's all just by flooding. Moment. And yeah, so maybe it's... Maybe the show wasn't as good, because 2019 was a bit shit, and it's very hard to laugh at it. You know what, that's actually the like, summation that I came up with as well, which was, the UK particularly has been through some really rough times this year, mm. and while there's certainly like, topical news programs that make fun of what's going on on a weekly basis, I think at the end of the year, around Christmas time, people don't necessarily want to dwell on the minutia, mm. and when you start looking at things at a very sort of broad, like macro level... Suddenly, like, the year just kind of feels icky and it's hard to really want to laugh about what's gone, what, what's transpired. And so, having watched Big Fat Quiz of the Year 2019, and there will be, at time of recording, I think tomorrow in the UK, the Big Fat Quiz of the Decade as well. Oh, there'll really? Be, um, there'll be another one with, I think, a slightly better panel of uh, comedians. Not that it wasn't a good panel, it just wasn't quite gelling. Uh, so there's a decade one coming, but it's you'll okay. notice absent from the jokes, what's been going on in England for the last four years? Oh, it's all Brexit. Did they mention Brexit? Well, I didn't see it in the first hour, but I also didn't want to comment on that because I just didn't know. No, yeah. I, I don't think it comes up once. There's a lot of Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew keeps on coming up because he's a funny answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of jokes of, you know, reviews of Pizza Express Woking. Um, <laughs> that seems to be... And that's a relatively recent story as well. Yeah. So there was a lot of what trended on Instagram. Um, you know, the uh, for a year-long quiz show, the attention span and the memory seems to be quite short. And I'm going to get a bit philosophical, Dan. I actually think... Uh, Memory has become very short, and we, you know, <clears throat> what we think are the the top bo uh, topics and what's going on are often very recent things. Our attention spans are uh, nat kind of attention spans. It's interesting you mentioned that. So I've been thinking about that attention span issue. It's the attention economy is the phrase that I tend to bandy around. When we're talking about this, like in the last couple of weeks, uh, people like myself have been putting together top 10 lists for various websites of, you know, because we do TV, we'll always be watching. So it's always, you know, these are the 10 best TV shows and movie sites do their best movies, album sites, you know, people can figure out what I'm talking about here. 
But what kind of stuck with me is I didn't really want to do a top 10 list, list this year because I just felt there was so much TV that was actually really quite good that it just became like an arbitrary list that didn't really reflect something that I thought was necessarily true. It was really just true for the minute that I was writing that list and didn't really reflect much. There's just a lot of great TV. And you could say that Watchmen was probably the best show of the year, which I'd argue maybe it was. But also there's an argument that maybe it was the third best show and I don't really feel passionate enough to say that that's definitely true because series one through seven on that list are all shows that probably could be the best show of that year. And it just seemed ridiculous to do a list. But there was value in putting out an article because we live in a short attention span where people need to remember that, oh, there was this really great show called uh, Catastrophe, which I watched and loved for, <coughs> you know, four, four seasons. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten that was a this year show. I was thinking it was that last year until I sat down to actually jot it all out. Mm. So I think there's value in like having these end of year summations, which say what happened. For TV, I don't know, top 10 list was the best format for that. And that's what I chose to not do. But things like this quiz, I think, really important to like give that perspective. And a huge admission not talking about Brexit, because Brexit was a story that shifted and changed quite dramatically. Yes, um, and that, yeah, that's been four years. And maybe maybe it's just not funny anymore, you know? But then jokes, I the mean, more you bury them into the ground, the funnier they become. This is the thing as well. I've watched a lot of British tropical humour, and generally it can be quite funny. I have found, any time I watch those panel shows lately... It's not that funny because I think that there's just this sense of existential dread that's infected them all. I have a I have a theory, mm. and uh, it's a bit of a scandalous theory. Okay, but I suspect you'll be in on it. Adam Hill, <laughs> I'm concerned when you say they're not going to be in on a scandalous theory. What Adam Hill has destroyed comedy television in England by having people watch The Last Leg. And now everybody is trying to make a shit show to to kind of meet his lowered expectations. He set the bar low and everybody's going down the gurgler to try and get to him. Look, as a noted longtime Adam Hills hater, I'm totally on board with that. I theory. knew you would be as well. Yeah. Because, um, you know, because it's funny, right? The last leg. Because only one of them has two legs. Uh, what's not even? <laughs> no, get it right. Okay. Oh, no, I get it. Because <clears throat> he only has one leg. Yeah, yeah. Or is like one's a shorter leg? One's a shorter leg. Why are we even talking about Adam Hills? You've ruined this podcast. I'm just saying uh, he was the uh, kind of one of the horsemen of the British panel show Apocalypse, uh, and it's all over, and uh, you'll never enjoy British comedy panel shows ever again. Okay, well, as they say, a good podcast is a quick podcast, and when we've spent this long on Adam Hills, it's time to move on. The custom on this podcast, Simon, is that when we finish talking about yours, you pose a little special question to me. So, Dan. Yes, Simon. What have you been always watching? Simon, I have always watched B. Um, I watched this film called Midsummer, but I watched the director's cut. Okay, tell me about this Midsummer. Now, and remember, mm. I'm, and you know this from doing a show with me for probably, let's call it a decade almost. Yeah, sure. I'm a scaredy cat, <laughs> and I walked out of the 28 Days sequel 28 weeks later uh, because I was too scared. So don't scare me with your review. Don't make it too real. What was the third? Tw- there was a third film in that series. Was there a third there? one? I, don't I feel know. like there was. Maybe there wasn't. Anyway, Midsummer, it is, as you suggested, a scary movie. Okay, but unlike most scary movies, this doesn't take place at nighttime. It is all in the sun-drenched Nordics. And I don't think that's exactly what country they're in, but it's like a Scandinavia sort of a... One of those, the sun doesn't set in summer, kind of. Exactly. There's like the midnight sun taking place. So it's just daylight constantly, a whole bunch of very attractive Nordic-looking people. And so what's happened is you've got... And 
from the opening like minute or two of this film, I was completely just into this film. It has got such a strong emotional opening with a young lady, college age, she's got a boyfriend. I think he's like studying a master's sort of level of thing. So it's not quite like the freshman by any means, the well and truly entrenched in the world of education. So like mid-20s. Uh, she's on the phone to him, she's very concerned about the fact that her sister has sent this email recently, which said something along the lines of, uh, I, I'm tired of it, uh, I'm going um, I'm, I'm gonna to end it all, and I'm taking the parents with me. Something along those lines. She wasn't quite as overt as that, but that was the implication of it. So anyway, she is really concerned, but she's received a bunch of messages like this from the sister in the past. So she's making all the appropriate phone calls around the place and just trying to get in contact with the parents and make sure everything's fine. Can't reach anyone. Okay, but she's trying not to overreact because this is something that's happened before. Anyway, what's happened is the sister has uh, connected a hose to the exhaust pipe, fed it all through the house, the parents who are sleeping in bed, well and truly dead by, you know, the time that this woman sort of gotten started all the phone calls. Parents are dead, sister's dead, so she's emotionally raw. Like, you can understand she's not in a good place. Her boyfriend, who's on the cusp of breaking up with her because he doesn't really want all the drama in his life that her constantly playing about the sister brings in, He's there with his friends, and he's looking at this excuse to go off with them to uh, the Nordics um, as a great opportunity to get away from her and, you know, just live his own life for a little bit. Uh, they're all academics, and they're all studying, um, like, uh, when you're doing, like, uh, eth- eth- <coughs> what is it called? Uh, when you're studying cultures and societies. Like a... Um... Like anthropology, <coughs> but it's not anthropology, yeah. it's like ethnic... Ah, uh, gosh... I should have written some notes for this. <clears throat> it's a, a an ethnologist. Uh, we'll, we'll say an ethnologist. I don't think that's the word, though. But you get the idea. So sounds like it could be a word. It's the studying of cultures and societies and how they function. So one of the members of their group is a guy from a small town in the Nordic-type regions. And he's like, hey, look, let's go back and go back to a small town. It's kind of like a commune sort of uh, existence. And everyone there, we have, like, a annual solstice festival. You'll really get a kick out of it. You can learn a few things. And because they're all interested in how society and cultures work, they all go along, and that's the basis for their holidays. Now, because this guy's breaking up with his girlfriend, and she's in this emotional time in her life, he's like, yeah, I was going to invite you along in this holiday. So, despite the fact he was going to go and just, you know, not spend time with her, he's suddenly going on his holiday with her in the most emotionally, like, vulnerable stage he's been in. But what they don't realise when they get there, and obviously we've seen movies before, so we know things are not going to go well, they turn up to this hippie-ish commune, they deal with everything's a bit weird, there's a bear in a cage, they're all wearing tunics, you know, it's standard sort of uh, commune stuff, but there's a, like, a feast that takes place with the main people at this feast being an older couple in, like, maybe their 80s, uh, but they're Nordic, so, like, they're just too attractive to really be able to place an age on them. They are older people, and they go off to have, like, a little ceremony at the top of this cliff. And everyone stands below the cliff. And you can see where this is going, Simon. As they all stand at the bottom of the cliff, you know, the older people, they engage in their ceremonial ritual and then jump off the cliff. Because they... I work... didn't see that coming. <laughs> they work in a um, an existence where they see life as being a bit of a circular sort of a thing that they all experience together. So as they're all born together, they die together. And it's a sort of... It's a nice idea... But the brutal reality of this movie, because it hides nothing, is seeing bodies fall from, you know, 80, 90 metres up, and what happens to the human body when it experiences that impact of hitting the ground. It is violent and gross, and only gets more wild and twisted from there. So if what I just said then does not sound like the sort of movie that you kick back and relax with, 
I would suggest maybe don't watch this movie, but if you've got a fairly strong stomach and a penchant for the weird, this is amazing. It made my top 10 list, like, for the year, like, within seconds of the movie starting, but I was in a rush of the whole thing. But yeah, Simon, check out this movie, but also don't check out this yeah, movie. No, I won't be checking out this movie. I was already terrified when you started explaining the kind of the uh, the impetus for the story. <laughs> with the idea of going on a holiday with your no, wannabe no, ex-girlfriend? No, you're like, oh yeah, she, you know, just turned a car on and gassed everybody with a hose. <laughs> and you had this demonic look in your eye. And for those not watching the video podcast... We're currently uh, sitting in a car in a garage. <laughs> we're sitting in a, in a little Mazda hatchback in the inner west of Brisbane right now in a garage. And you scared the shit out of me for a second because I thought oh no he's wrapping up old business he's wrapping up old business hey Simon Mm. try the lock on that door (laughs) you're going out with me Simon banned not like dating okay just in like in terms of death but we are getting coffee after this oh yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Simon banned big question for you what have you been watching Uh, again all of the British shows, but one non-British show. Not, what? Non-British? Yes. Sorry, I don't even know who you are anymore. Uh, Sorry, yes. did they do a US version of Dad's Army? <laughs> oh, God, I wish they <laughs> would do that. Oh, that would be great. Who's in the US Dad's Army? Uh, so, uh, Dexter's Michael C. Hall as Captain Mannering. Yeah. Uh, that's there. Um, uh, what's that young lad? He was Scott Pilgrim. Oh, uh, like Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. He'd be um, in there. I think his, yeah. it's 2019. He'd be Pike. He'd be Pike. Yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've never seen Dad's Army, so whatever. But I'm thinking it's 2019. We need to get a bit more of a diverse cast. You can have a team of like just white English people back in the day, but oh, now you need to mix that up a point. bit. Uh, can I suggest maybe a Michael Pena? Yes, he could. Oh, and then we could still actually play the racial stereotypes. He could actually be the grifter who should have gone to war, but he's selling stuff out the back of a van. He'd actually be pretty good in that role. And not because of, like, an ethnic thing. I think he's just... He's fun, and I think he'd be good doing that. You're being a racist. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Uh, well, the that guy from Fresh Off the Boat. This is really reliving the podcast oh, like radio ra- days, where I describe someone's face and you tell me who they are. Okay, Randall Park. Randall Park. Randall Park can be in it. He could be uh, Jonesy the Butcher. Okay. Um, you know, that, that kind of... Gets there. Okay, so that's two... Three, four, who else? How many, how many cast members do we need here? I kind of need eight or nine. Okay, so well. you only really need six or so main characters, but you need three unnamed people to stand behind them. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the um, the verger and the vicar as well, kind of always getting up in your plans when you want to do a hand grenade drill in the uh, the parish hall. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like actors who probably need to be in something at the moment that haven't been recently. Oh, and uh, Rebel Wilson can be Captain Mannering's wife. That's not a bad idea. Because you never see Captain Mannering's wife. There is, that's an even better <laughs> idea, then. There is a TV series that's debuting, I think, like literally yesterday in the US, uh, starring Stephen Dorff. I reckon that show's going to get cancelled very quickly. So can we put Stephen Dorff in this? Sure. Look, if, if this if this is just a vehicle of this imaginary show yeah. to get people paychecks, that's fine. Yeah, because I feel Stephen Dorff needs a paycheck. Yeah, and um, every third episode will be directed by... Um, uh, who's his face? Uh, I can never pronounce his name. Alfred Hitchcock? He's been dead for a while, Simon. No. Uh, the Thor Ragnarok fellow. Oh, uh, Taika Waititi. That's the one. Yeah. Taika Waititi, every third episode, all director. Yeah, but we'll give him, like, producer credit. So do you want to know what show I've been watching? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, the Mandalorian. 
Ah, oh, The Mandalorian. Well, I was also going to talk about The Mandalorian is what I've been watching. So shall we finish this conversation with us discussing the finale for The Mandalorian? Uh, look, that would be uh, that'd be a cracker. Yeah. Unless, you want, unless you want one British more show. No, I really don't. You, you don't want to talk about the new Gavin and Stacey? I could not care less about the new Gavin <coughs> and Stacey. Because that's pretty scandalous, because Matthew Horne and James Corden haven't been talking for a decade. Well, and Matthew Horne refused to be part of the This Is Your Life and wouldn't even write a comment on James Corden. And now they're working together again. So whose money ran out, huh? Hashtag I'm on team, is it Michael Hall? No, that's, no, that's the Dexter Hall. guy. You're on team Michael C. Hall. Sorry, what's the guy's name? Uh, Matthew Horn. Matthew Horn. Team Matthew Horn. Yeah. Because James Corden. Ugh, get out of here with that. Have you ever heard that James Corden alleged story of him on a plane with the baby? Simon, there's a reason why you're not allowed on this podcast anymore. I'm just saying, just have a little look-see. <laughs> uh, James Corden, airplane baby story. Okay, I'll definitely look that up. Uh, I'll have to get the always-be-watching lawyers involved in this one. Oh, uh, uh, allegedly. Okay, Simon Band, Mandalorian, eight episodes. Question, were you with the show for the entire eight episodes? So you obviously watched them, but were you high on the show for all eight episodes? I was huffing on The Mandalorian yep. the whole way through. Even the bad episodes, I was enjoying far, far too much. And there were no bad episodes. They were just not dazzling episodes. Can I make an admission, mm. just between you, me, and the millions of people who listen to this podcast? It's a safe space. I started out high on the show. Mm. I thought it was great. I really loved the second episode. And while there were certainly episodes I quite liked after that, I had a number of crises of faith along the way. And not that I thought the show was necessarily bad, I thought it was a perfectly enjoyable show, but the joy that I had from watching Star Wars for those first two episodes, eventually it just gave way to me thinking, well, no, I'm just watching the same TV show now, so the show needs to stand in its own right, and I don't know, I didn't necessarily feel like the love for the program, even though I enjoyed moments of the program quite a fair bit. I accept your truth. Yeah. It's... You know, it was a fun show to watch. I'm, it, I, I didn't go in going, ah, yes, this is a a high Star War. I wonder if they'll, you know, have a reference to that 13th canon novel with bloody what colour epaulets are. See, that, that's what I don't like about the show so much. So I think in the movies you can get away with, like, the occasional bit of, like, cutesy references to stuff gone by. But I just kind of felt the TV show needed a little bit more dramatic weight to it. And the show didn't really have that dramatic weight. Like, I, I thought, like, we learned a little bit about the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, including his name, which was uh, Darding. That's not quite right. Jarding? The Ting Tings? Jarding. <laughs> I'm not sure. Jar Jar Ting. Fat Junior. Like, we learned a fair bit about him along the way, but, like, we never really learned much about really how he felt about things. Like, you saw him look, well, you saw his helmet look at the baby Yoda, Mm. but you never really got a true sense as to what that meant to him entirely. Like, you kind of thought, well, he's sort of seeing himself as, like, the opportunity to save himself from years gone by, but emotionally, I don't really quite know exactly what that means to him and how deep that is. Like, how much he cares about the baby or how much he cares about himself. But it's through his actions. Actions speak louder than words, Dan Barrett. You know, he threw everything away to be Yoda. <laughs> Look, part of it is the struggle of watching a main character get around with just a helmet. And, and you don't really not see the mouth move. You don't see... Well, you don't see the eyes, which are actually a really important bit when you're seeing an acting performance. And so there's a lot of vocal performance happening, and you can get a sense of things. But there's a reason why cartoons are a bit more overt and explain things in a way that live action doesn't really necessarily need to. And this is because there's so much subtlety and nuance conveyed through a performance that happens when you've actually got an actor that you can see versus just a vocal performance. I'm 
I totally agree with you, and I think it's even next level where that it is, you know, he has movement in the joints, but it's quite stiff armour as well. Yeah. As there's not even kind of, if he was hunched over, defeated, or exhausted at the end of a, I don't know, killing Jowers run <laughs> or something, you wouldn't actually see that either. The actual posture and movement of the body is, um, yeah. and, you know, he's a, he's a stoic figure. It's not exactly like he's going in for a big Mando hug at any point. Absolutely. And so there were just moments where I think they could have possibly explained things a little bit more without it feeling on the nose. And even if it was slightly on the nose, it still would have had a stronger emotional resonance. And I just never quite felt that. And so the experience for me was a little bit empty. And I reached this final episode, which uh, sort of wrapped up the arc that was established in the first three episodes, and then just kind of hovered in the background and sort of came back for this final two episodes. Mm. And while it was fun seeing that play out, I kind of thought that the stakes of the villain wasn't really quite high enough. It didn't feel like it was integral to the mission he's on, save the baby. Like, because we got got, uh, the experience with the scientist in the third episode. Okay, yes. I remember the scientist was playing around with her. And there's the insignia on his arm, which suggests he's from that cloning um, sta- station that they encounter in Star Wars Episode 2. I want to say the planet's called Aosha, something like that. The ocean planet. The ocean planet, where the clones are. Yeah, in, in, in Star Wars, yeah. that would be the, the bullshit kind of name they'd give that. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I kind of expected that we'd have some sort of greater connection to maybe that scientist or where he's from or that organisation. Instead, we really just had like a, another bounty hunter type of a character who came with all the stormtroopers. I mean, he wasn't a bounty hunter. He was like working with the stormtroopers anyway. Mm. But like, it doesn't really matter where he's from. He's just another heavy with an army behind him to take out the guy. It wasn't actually really connected to the actual mission. Mm. I mean, it's, it's connected to it, but like there was no like deeper connection, which is what I needed. Like this could easily have been an episode four or five it didn't necessarily do anything special for a season finale, except we saw a whole bunch of Mandos get murdered. We also got to see some uh, cracking, humorous workplace dialogue as well at the very <laughs> beginning, which I think was with my uh, with the Baby Yoda sack punches yeah. and the whole, should we go in now? Should we go in? No, no, they killed the last guy that interrupted him. I actually thought was one of the best ten minutes of just Mando overall. That was really good, but that was out of tone with the rest of the episode. Which kind of threw it a little bit. That's fine. Do you know what the deal is with those characters? Who, uh, I, I don't know. Tell me the deal okay. with those characters. Well, do you know who the actors were? Did you recognise the voices? I don't know. They're wearing helmets. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, in regards to the helmets, we're talking about uh, Pedro Pascal playing the Mando character. Yes. But he's only voicing because he's not actually in a costume that much. Mm. Instead, one of the actors is like John Wayne's grandson. Oh, really? Yeah. So when it comes to these Stormtroopers, I don't know who was actually playing the Stormtroopers, but the vocal performance we got was Adam Pally from TV's Happy Endings. Yes. And uh, Jason Sudeikis from oh. formerly Saturday Night Live and other stuff. I think I recognise Jason Stakers. Yeah. Uh, so you had them, but the actual characters they're playing, and they're not strictly them, but it's a bit of an homage to it. Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars stories that are no longer considered canon. Okay, but, but there was... 70,000 episodes of a children's cartoon is. Well, the cartoon... Yeah, well, this is it. Uh, but during the early 2000s, there were some Dark Horse comics, and they came up with these characters called Tag and Bink. And there were two stormtroopers that were very much like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Star Wars universe. So, like, they get involved in stories, like, they're adjacent to the stories, but you sort of see the stories through their viewpoint as people who aren't particularly that invested in the larger story happening around them. And so Tag and Bink appeared in a whole bunch of stories, and this is supposedly them, but because Tag and Bink are no longer considered canon, 
you know, these are two people that are possibly them, but who knows. They also got murdered at the end, so presumably, if they want to use Tag and Bink again, it wasn't them. That was an amazing amount of information, Dan. Yeah. Which has convinced me... (laughs) So, in the last few days, you may have seen this, um, I decided I was shitting well done with shitting Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And Is I, this because you saw The Rise of Skywalker? Well, it's also because I saw The Rise of Skywalker. But I'm just like, no, this is too much. I'm done. And thank you for reinforcing that. Although I did like in The Mandalorian. Okay, there sorry, was that, um, sorry, can we be clear Making here? fun of Star Wars bullshit, where the head of the Bounty Hunters Guild goes, but you're, a, you're from Mandalore, right? It's like, no, I'm not. I'm a Mandalorian. That means I follow this creed. And it's just in Star Wars, it's like, ah, yes, he's a vegetarian from the proud planet Vegetaire. Like, I'm done with Star Wars, Dan. I'm done. <laughs> Here's the and thing. luckily, they'll never make another movie. You just told me a short while ago how much you enjoyed the season. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed The Mandalorian, but that's because I liked a dude just going from town to town on adventures <laughs> looking after a baby. I could but, watch Clint Eastwood film. But if that's what Star Wars is going forward, isn't that really necessarily fulfilling what you're after? There will be The Mandalorian Season 2. Are yes. you not going to watch Mandalorian Season 2? <laughs> well, I cancelled my Disney Plus subscription in the middle of watching the, the, the last Mandalorian. So that by the time you reached the end of your subscription, you would have seen the... Yeah, they've seen yeah. it all. Uh, but I actually got the dates wrong, and they billed me the day before I cancelled. So I've still got that shit for another few weeks. But okay. in, in 11 to 12 months' time, I will get Disney Plus again. Here's the thing. So, so you're not done with Star Wars, is what you're telling me. I'm not done with Baby Yoda. <laughs> and neither am I done with Jar Jar Binks, because I think there's more they can do with that story. If they teamed up Jar Jar and Baby Yoda... Imagine the furor on the internet. Everybody would be very confused. <laughs> How would you deal with that? Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not done with Star Wars. I was incredibly disappointed, like everybody, with The Rise of Skywalker on account of the fact that it's not a very good movie at all. In fact, it's downright terrible. And when I say everybody, I'm just taking it as gospel that everyone agrees with Everybody me. on Twitter.com. No, no, in, in this studio, slash yeah. Mazda Hatchback, mm. everybody agrees with you. Uh that it is a shitty movie and it was a shitty movie made by a cast in every interview going it's so amazing and how good's (laughs) J.J. Abrams and shitting all over the one good Star Wars okay now I don't want to complain too much about Rise of Skywalker because I will be in a studio with Chris Yates in just a couple of days time and I suspect that's what that podcast is largely going to be about so I'm not going to dwell on that too much but Mandalorian you're down for season 2 I'll give it a crack you give it a crack um, I'm also down for season two. I have reservations about that as a series, but also I just kind of want to see what they're doing with it. And there is a kick out of seeing serialized Star Wars, which is something I don't watch the cartoons, so I've never really had that before. So this is a new viewing experience for me. I mean, the movies are serialized, but it's not quite the same. Is The Mandalorian, and I understand it's made by Disney, and it's on a Disney streaming service, and Disney owns Star Wars. Yes, sir. In the same way that it's like, hey, you watch episode one, the movie, and then you watch ten seasons of a kid's cartoon, and then mm. you watch another movie, then you watch fifteen seasons of another shitting animated one, and then there's another little Rebels one kind of tucked in there as well that's all canon. Is the Mandalorian canon? I believe Mandalorian is canon. So then why was mm. Rey not given a baby Yoda to look after at the end of Rise of Skywalker? I mean, come on. A teenage baby Yoda. 
Well, because there's not just five people in the Star Wars universe, Simon. There's five... Oh, yeah, because Chewbacca hasn't been in every <laughs> shitting important situation. But maybe... Where there's I'm... only six people in the universe of Star Wars, Dan. But maybe the Chewbacca character is the one that we're most interested in, and therefore we're just seeing the adventures connected to him. Check and mate. Mm. But anyway, so my theory is Baby Yoda, of course is murdered horribly in season two. And that's why he's not around during the rise of Skywalker. Maybe I can't watch season two because Baby Yoda will die. Well, he wasn't there for Rise of Skywalker, but also The Last Jedi or Force Awakens. Maybe he was busy doing something. Maybe he's off in college. And wouldn't you like to see that as the animated... Well, as the live-action sitcom that's going to debut soon, which is Baby Yoda the college years? That's what she said. Yeah. Simon Band, it has been an absolute pleasure being in this fine podcasting studio with you. Thank uh, you. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. I'll see you in a few years. This has been Always Be Watching. You can subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. That's on you. I can't do anything beyond that. Other things that are on you, you can subscribe to the podcast, uh, the newsletter. There's a newsletter that comes out, alwaysbewatching.com. Just put your email address in there. Each day you get a free email that tells you TV stuff. I don't know what else you're really after if you listen to this podcast. Also, if you like talking about TV, check out the Always Be Watching Facebook group. Always Be Watching, it's on Twitter at ABW Watching. No, AB Watching. That's the Twitter account. My name is Dan Barrett, and you can find me on Twitter at the Dan Barrett. Simon Band, my chum, uh, you've got a Twitter account. Yes, at Simon Band. How did you come up with that name? Look, it was a long process. Yeah. And I didn't want to give away my middle name for scammers, so I just went with first and last. Yeah. That's good. Uh, it's Jeremiah, just for people wanting to know. Uh, this has been Always Be Watching. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with a regular episode next week with Chris Yates back in the studio. And I believe that in the studio, we have air conditioning, which is something I'm desperately looking for. Folks, we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.